From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It is Tuesday, February 11th. The year is 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Huckabee, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, joining us from the Skype line in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we're, we're very happy to welcome someone today, a, a, a firm, steady hand who, who can keep who can keep their runaway mine cart on the tracks <laughs> as we go through as we go through the depths of the gold mine. It's our friend Clark Flippo. Greetings. Hey, I don't. Clark. I don't want to alarm anyone, but uh, Chandler is MIA this morning, and I fear <laughs> he has been consumed by his own plant children in some sort of yep. uh, little shop of horrors situation where <laughs> a, a, a giant Venus flytrap has eaten him. But uh, we'll, it's we'll inter- see. It's interesting because because last I saw him, he said he was heading to Los Angeles to turn in his vote for 1917 at the Oscars uh, <laughs> to make sure that to make sure that it was when he was in charge of getting the entire Academy on board with Sam Mendez in 1917. That was Saturday. I haven't seen or heard from yeah. him since. I'm not sure yeah. what happened there. Yeah, I know uh, he's riding pretty high after his Iowa caucus app was <laughs> yeah. the talk of First, the nation. The Iowa, Iowa caucus app, then getting the, the Senate impeachment vote together, then the Oscars. Our man Chandler is on a real winning streak right now. <laughs> Can't wait to see where he goes next. Uh, meanwhile, up in Loveland, Virginia, we're always uh, we're always happy to welcome to the Runaway Minecart our friend, Jesse Carey. Hey, Jesse. Hello, hello. Jesse, are you holding it together? You're, you're, I know you're a little under the weather. You're going to be able to pull through. A little under the weather. This? Put the rally cap on this morning, and we'll see how this goes. But if I mysteriously vanish, it's because uh, <laughs> I don't feel very well. But you know, the show must go on. So, if you mysteriously vanish, we've got we've got uh, uh, we've got an ace up the sleeve this time. We've got something in the pocket that I'm not too uh, that I'm not too worried about uh, because we are always happy to welcome to the relevant podcast one of the one of our most trusted one of our most trusted guests. It is our friend Jamie Ivy from the great state of Texas. Hey, Jamie. Hey, guys. Thanks for yeah. having me back. I'm glad to be here. Jamie, uh, down, tell me what's uh, what's going on down there in Texas right now because I feel like I feel like the the rest of the you know we're a runaway news cycle right now. Everything's you know it, it, there's 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 all sorts of stuff going. Washington D.C., Russia is definitely up to something. <laughs> but whenever I turn it into news from Texas, it's like it just, it's steady as she goes. Well, that's what we would like to think, right? We're just steady <laughs> as we can go down here. Uh, you know what? Here's what I know, Tyler. I know what's happening in my house and with my okay. friends, and that's about all uh-huh. I can tell you. Yeah, but that's that's the no, thing that's, about Texas. People, that's the Texas people, way. you know, the Texas they mind way. their business. You know, it's <laughs> who knows what they're doing next door or the ranch no. up the road. It's no, we're just minding our mind. own cattle. Yeah, <laughs> taking care of my own cows. That's all I got to worry about. <laughs> Speaking of cows, yeah, can I ask thing? you guys a question? Yeah. Yes, please do. Speaking oh, of cows, yeah. uh, did you watch the Oscars? I I, I, I I was I was pretty ill on Sunday night, so I, I meant to watch the whole thing, but I fell asleep like halfway through the show. But I oh. I enjoyed the Oscars. It. The Oscars are my Super Bowl. I'm uh, I, it's, I I live. I don't know what it is, but the drama, the horse race, it, I, I live for it. So do you know what I'm talking about when I say speaking of cows? Did you watch the Oscar? I I know. I think I know where you're going, but maybe could you give us a little recap yeah. for for fill Jesse who missed it here? Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, that's right. One um, best actor, 
okay. for the Joker. Mm-hmm. But he started talking about things I didn't know what he was talking about. And the next thing you know, he's yeah. saying something about inseminating cows and taking their babies and drinking their milk. And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I did see that and I because I saw like the next day even like I can't help myself I always I, I love you know to see kind of what the what the scuttlebutt is and I saw speciesism trending on Twitter because, yes, because uh, evidently I guess part of this speech you know he, he, he used the term speciesism you know what Clark actually let's hear a portion of the Joaquin Phoenix uh, Oscar acceptance speech I think that we've become very disconnected from the natural world and many of us what we're guilty of is an egocentric worldview the belief that we're the center of the universe we go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources we feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow and when she gives birth we steal her baby even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable and then we take her milk that's intended for a calf and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. And I think we fear the idea of personal change because we think that we have to sacrifice something to give something up. But human beings at our best are so inventive and creative and ingenious. And I think that when we use love and compassion as our guiding principles, we can create, develop, and implement systems of change that are beneficial to all sentient beings and to the environment. Now, I've been... So I do. So real, real quick, because so, I, I this is an interesting one. Yeah, this is we're, we're, we're coming out of the gates. We're already getting we, we jumped right it, into Jamie. the deep end of the I pool. I love it. I love we, it. We, we, we're right into in. the 12 footer. This is great. This is this is why people tune into the podcast. OK, Just, J- Jamie, I, I want to hear everybody's take. OK, Jamie, I feel like you probably uh, will. You take the first take because I, I feel like this obviously kind of jumped out to you when you were watching the broadcast. I was just like I just sat there going, I don't know what's happening yeah. right now. That's what it made yeah, me feel like. And, I don't know what's and, happening. And I, and I feel like that is part of his persona and i'm not saying he's not genuinely like that but you know in a lot of his speeches he kind of his delivery you know when he's making these speeches seems extremely vulnerable you know and kind of like he has this sort of uh especially in these speech because i've seen interviews with him where he seems very normal but it seems like when he's on stage his delivery is sort of herky-jerky and i feel like there's something charming about it too because you don't feel like it's exceptionally polished or scripted it sounds like he's somewhat speaking from from the heart but in terms of like the substance of the speech you know i i i completely respect uh, people whose passion is you know the ethical treatment of especially like domesticated animals the ones that that you know a lot of us consume and i think there are a lot of reasons to be concerned about you know For example, like the dairy industry, there are certainly practices that, you know, deem further uh, investigation. But the the term speciesism, I do feel like was going to turn a lot of people off, especially outside of, you know, maybe kind of the uh, people who are really um, passionate about animal rights, because 
I, I yeah. feel like, well, I, I kind of think I am a speciesist because I do think, you know, he, and I don't, I don't know if that's like technically the right term or, or like the right application, but it feels like I do feel like human life should be valued over other species. And that's I feel like I there confused. is like a hierarchy of species. Now that every species doesn't deserve ethical treatment and, you know, should Exa- be abused, 100%, yes. but, it, but it does seem like. I feel like the 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 more biblical view is to kind of see order in the species and that humanity. Yeah. yeah. Tyler, what what yeah. was your yeah. take? Uh, I wish I had a better one, and that's kind of my. Uh, it's, it's interesting to hear you all <laughs> talk about this. I read yesterday, following that speech, our our friend Karen Swallow Pryor shared on Twitter an old article that she had written for us about the uh, importance for Christians to take the the treatment of animals seriously and how that's part of our, our responsibility as people. And it's one of, I think I, this is not a take to say, one of the more overlooked responsibilities. It's not something that you see a lot of Christians getting on board with animal cruelty causes. I think because that's cons- it's been, uh, it's considered to be so co-opted by more extremist groups like like PETA, who obviously can uh, push it to kind of like you're talking about Jesse, they go so far into it that it ends up turning a lot of people off to what it would otherwise be considered yeah. maybe a more important cause. So, uh, so I reread the piece that she wrote, and, and she's extremely in- intelligent and articulate about her her uh, values when it comes to how we treat animals, and I, I really appreciated her writing on that. And I think that that's what somebody like Joaquin needs. I I appreciate and can completely relate to him struggling to articulate something that he, it seems like he kind of feels in his guts, but maybe doesn't quite know how to put in a, in a super uh, cogent way yet. I've been that person. I've written, tried to write those articles. I've probably published those articles uh, before I should have when I'm before I'm quite there with a real solid, tangible take yet. And uh, and so I can respect you because he we we talked about this on on a relevant daily Jesse a few days before he won at the BAFTAs. Uh, and, and he put together, I, I thought his speech there was really, really thoughtful about racism in Hollywood and, and was very well put together. So I know he he's capable of it. And it could be that he's just put a little more thought and effort in understanding uh, race than he has into animal treatment yet. And uh, hopefully that by him sort of working these things out and talking about them and verbally processing them, whether it's with his friends and loved ones or it's on stage at the Oscars, he can sort of do what we all do over time and work towards a, a better, more coherent articulation of something that is important. I have a question for you guys, and yeah. I do not have an answer here, but I just have a question. Sure. Do you think at the Oscars and at these award shows that people want to hear that? Or they want to hear you thank your agent, thank the people, you guys are amazing, and walk off the stage. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I, yeah, I was thinking the exact same. I don't same. know. I don't know. I, I, I lean towards, like, the people who, this is my take, and I hope this doesn't offend, I hope this isn't too hot for anyone out there. But I feel like <laughs> a lot of the people that are, you know, annoyed at, you know, people who use the, you know, it's one, it's like, you know, 45 seconds to 90 seconds, usually. Supposedly, it, it, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It, it rare, it, it's rarely going to be more than like two minutes that you're going to hear someone say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. And there are people who, you, 
you know, watch those shows and get annoyed at actors or producers or people in the film industry or, you know, or in the music industry using that brief platform to express a, a, an idea about a social or political issue. But I think a lot of that is faux annoyance. I think they're I, I don't think they're actually annoyed by the substance of what those people say. I think they're just annoyed by the idea of someone telling them and uh, expressing an idea that they don't agree with. I feel like we're conditioned mm-hmm. in this modern era instead of embracing someone else's opinion, if, mm-hmm. if for no other reason than to better understand them. Like, I may not agree with Joaquin Phoenix's comments about speciesism, but I welcome his, I welcome the comments because I can understand his perspective. And I, and like, why should it bother me that someone has different ideas than me? And I feel like it makes for a more interesting, passionate show. Like we're talking about it. We're talking about the Joaquin Phoenix yeah. speech where if he had just gone up and, you know, talked about Todd Phillips and, you know, DC comics, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have been as memorable or as discussion worthy and challenging and, and issuing some really challenging social dialogue, whether people yeah. ultimately agree or disagree with him. I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, what, what do you guys think? I think it's good. I mean, it doesn't bother me. And and the reason I just was, I just think Joaquin Phoenix, it just felt a little all over the board, you know? Yeah. Um, not necessarily. I didn't, it came out of nowhere and I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. That's how it felt to yeah, me. Sure. Um, but I think it's, I mean, I try to put myself in their shoes. Let's say I, you know, have this opportunity and I'm a movie star and people only think one thing about me. Like I just, I can only do acting in movies and be beautiful and get my picture taken, all those things. And then I have a minute to say a thought about what I care about. I think it's good. And I could just be thinking about, I just watched that Taylor Swift documentary, which yeah. is a whole nother subject. I'm sure you guys have covered it, yeah. but that's what I'm thinking about too, is like, how did these people, these people, you know, people who have these platforms and they get this opportunity. I'm sure it's like, yes, I want to use it. So I don't necessarily think I'm not offended by it. Yeah. I can think no. of some examples maybe where I'm like, I think that was a little too much. Yeah, for sure. But, sure. but but I would I would rather have, you know, our entertainers or maybe, you know, sometimes go a little too much on activism or a little than a little too little. Then say nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. even if and, 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 you know, Joaquin Phoenix in another I'm trying to remember, it might have been at a political demonstration. You know, he acknowledged his own hypocrisy when it came to, you know, climate change saying I took a plane to come to this climate change rally. I'm part of the right. problem, but we can all do better. I think especially when they're when that self-awareness is there that, you know, the kind of a lot of people in sort of middle America that are watching the Oscars are like, oh, well, it's easy for you to preach to me, you million, you know, but when mm-hmm. there is that self-awareness, I feel like, OK, we can kind of have a, a conversation here with an acknowledgement that we all need to be better. I think I think it's a net positive, you know, I, I think that there, you don't hear this quite as much as you used to, but. But I remember being a little kid and there was all this talk about role models. Like, why are, are these celebrities need to be better role models for us? They they need to. And that was usually that was directed at people like Britney Spears and 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 and, and Sync and those guys. That was their always their concern. And if you know they did something that was a little bit like if they were if they were too sexy in a music video or if they were like caught party in one night, that is like, oh, but but they're a role model for the kids. And I think that's sort of changed in the past two years because now we just don't want them to do to be much of anything. Like that seems to be a lot of the more frequent pushback. Like just go on stage, do your thing, act in your movie, and then shut up. Yeah. We don't want to hear about it otherwise. And I think that's sort of an abdication. I think there needs to be some sort of middle ground there between expecting these people to be 
uh, paragons of virtue, especially when they when they're discovered young, like a like a Justin Bieber or something like that. And then expecting that, I think there needs to be something in the middle where we, we also understand that they have a platform and a lot of privilege, and that with that comes a certain amount of responsibility to people who don't have the sort of platform and privilege that they have to speak into issues that they really care about. The documentary you mentioned, Jamie, that Taylor Swift documentary was a really good, we talked about, we did talk about it on here a lot, yeah. a really good look at her struggling with that tension and yeah. trying to, I, I thought, I thought that was very impressive yeah. uh, a piece of filmmaking. Yeah, I was good. And, and you saw, you, you know, recently it's been a big conversation with sports. Like what responsibility yeah, do these always. celebrities, you know, in the sports realm, you know, famously, you know, the the LeBron James commentary where, uh, you know, I think it was a Fox News commentator, you know, told him to shut up and dribble, you know, and that mm, sort yeah, of. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And that sort yeah. of became like this, uh, you know, rallying cry for athletes to, to be like, no, let's speak out. Let's, you know, we worked hard for this platform. Like they, it's not like those athletes or these actors, you know, haven't earned the platform. They are very right. talented. They're there for a reason. And if they've earned the platform, then it's theirs to, to use how they want. So yeah, I definitely an interesting Oscars, but that added as such an interesting political wrinkle and, you know, good for him for being willing to kind of roll the dice and kind of hundred percent. Yeah. Be, you know, yeah. a little eccentric, you know? Yeah. 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 Struggling through sort of an embarrassing fumble. Uh, it, it can be, it can be pretty bad. And some of the speeches, I thought there were, I didn't think he even had the most jumbled speech of the night and attempting to say something sort of meaningful. So I, I, I can appreciate that these people who are used to being, having a lot of control over the way that they're depicted or having teams who have a lot of control over the way that they're depicted are suddenly out there live and there's no net for the yeah. first time for what they're doing. And oh, I yeah. can see how that would be a huge struggle. And who knows what, who knows what any of us would say if I was <laughs> uh, when I am a celebrity and it will and it, and it, you and are I will a celebrity be, in our eyes. It, it's going to happen. Thank you. Thank yes. you. But when my as my platform continues to grow <laughs> and, and my reach extends further uh -huh. and further around the world, uh, I'm, I'm going to say some dumb things, too. And I hope that people are more nope, gracious canceled. to me than we sometimes canceled. see. Hush, you're canceled. <laughs> Shut up and podcast, Tyler. That's right. Just do your job. Well, hey, we we had we had listed uh, on our, on Jesse's rundown here. You said you wanted to do some some Oscar takes. That that came up organically. Yeah, I, I know. Right? That's we we don't even need to get That's into one. But people yeah. can see your predictions, Tyler. Real quick, before you know, I know we got to move on. Yeah. But uh, uh, Tyler releases Oscar predictions the day uh, on Friday before the Sunday. How many did you get right? What percentage? Yeah, Clark and I were talking about this yesterday. I did. I did. I was doing good. Until things what? Were doing, things were going. Things were going well. So we got the sound the, editing. Didn't you send the? <laughs> I got sound editing right. I got the sound stuff right. I got all the little stuff right, yeah. and I got all the acting ones right. But Parasite threw off my bracket yeah, well, entirely. Good for, I had, good I had the them movie, under yeah. should win. Yeah, I had them under like my my preferred win. So in a way, maybe I was even more right than I knew. Yeah, maybe I, I was. So. Maybe I should be in Go the academy. Gut, Tyler, yeah, in a way, I was super right. But I <laughs> yeah. I had them under should win. But under will win, I had nineteen seventeen and Sam. Mendes. Right. So I did, I did whiff 
on the real, on, on the biggest, most important well, points now of the I, night. I owe the wrong kind of people the wrong kind of money. And by the wrong kind of people, <laughs> I, apologize. I mean, I, I mean, apologize movie bookies. Me. I mean, the infamously uh, rough <laughs> the, uh, world yeah. of movie uh, bookies. Now I owe them. So <laughs> yeah, now uh, it's like the Sopranos. Trip, yeah. They come to your door. They don't let you. You're going to wake up with a horse head in bed tomorrow. Yeah, they, 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 they're like, <laughs> they, to they get up, that Jerry. little, what's that little clapper thing with like the, it's like the, uh, the slate. They call it the slate. Yeah, they put the fingers in there and they're like, you will pay us and they slap my fingers oh that's unnecessary <laughs> they're gonna make me work in one of those uncomfortable director's chair as punishment anything i'll pay you just don't make me sit here any longer well, i had not seen parasite so i can't wait to see oh, it now because it won everything i i it was my it was my favorite movie of the year i listed it as the uh, the relevant number one movie of 2019 i thought it was really fantastic love that really, a really really good movie i think you're in for it. and i'm glad i am i was disappointed to let down all the relevant fans who expected me to have uh, to ace the predictions. Yeah, but uh, we were, I was glad to see that you, you, a movie that I really thought was the best movie of last year. You humiliated sure. yourself and the brand. Thanks a lot, Tyler. What else do we have on the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we've got Oscar takes. We have takes on, on speechism, obviously. We've also got, that's not all, we uh, we have Amber and Guy Leah, our authors of the new book, Marriage Triggers. Uh, they're going to be coming on later to give us some relationship advice just in time for Valentine's Day. We'll be talking to them a little bit later on on the podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're doing slices. Follow your dreams, not your addictions. How we going to follow our dreams locked in a prison? They try to swallow me whole, God be my witness Deprive me out of my dreams, but I'm relentless I want the money, ain't never want attention So I don't pay attention to comments and all the mentions Cause they ain't see my vision I was washing dishes till my rats turning to riches Glad when it was Christmas We ain't even barely get presents, but we was gifted In a school of failure, we present perfect attendance Welfare, baby, we working with what they give us Made me some comments, judge still gave me a sins No period, city girls looking scared When it's really real when your bank account 20 mil in your house Up on the hill in your fam In the driveway you walk out And see the grill, thank God you believe Make sure you pray when you kneel yeah. You're listening to Believe by Meek Mill At the beginning of the podcast you heard it, Toyota Man by Neon Indian That was me, my first car the Toyota pickup truck. I guess I was a Toyota man, maybe a Toyota boy. Yeah. But every Toyota boy must one day <laughs> put aside his baby Toyota truck. When you guys were young and people drove Toyota pickup trucks, would did people yeah. buy you uh, like paint over the letters on the back of the, it was this just a regional thing where they, they paint toy, over the back. So it just said, yo, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the tailgate, like near people me, that was it. a big thing. It just said, yo, people did it. Yeah. I, I didn't do it. I was it's not always one of like, them. yo, I'm that person probably did the knee to the man like that. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, other people did. All right. It's time for our weekly look back at our favorite stories. We came across this week. It's time for slices. Jesse, what do you got? All right, I have, <laughs> I have, uh, I have a twofer, and I know we're already deep in the show, so I'll keep them both quick. But this one I found really funny because I have found myself in this situation actually on two occasions, and I think it's it, it, when I first read the headline, I'm like, who would do this? And then I looked at my past, I'm like, I kind of did this twice. Uh, <laughs> so here's the headline: Career Builder CEO colon Young people are ghosting employers. Okay, so it looked at this trend it. among I Gen Z. It. 
young Gen Z employees and millennials. Uh, there are there are more millennials currently in the workforce than Gen Z, uh, but the percentages are the same. 50 percent of Gen Z employees and 50 percent of millennials have ghosted an employer for a higher paying job uh, 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 elsewhere. Now, how do they define ghosting? It means that instead of quitting, they just stop showing up. They just yeah. oh, gosh. no longer came yeah. to work, didn't hand in their badge. They're just it. gone and have taken a new job. I love and in it. my mind, I'm like, who would do this? Like what? Like I'm a member of one of these generations and I never felt that impulse. And like, you know, if, if, if you're quitting a job for some, somewhere else, the least you can do, it's very uncomfortable. We've all been in that situation. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's probably one of the most uncomfortable situations in life, but you know, it's, it's part of being in the workforce. I'm like, who would do this? Who would have a job and just one day decide to stop showing up and just seeing when they stop paying you, you know? <laughs> and then I remember and you did it. Well, here's why. So years and years ago, this is when I was still in college. And I think I was only, I think I was a freshman in college at the time uh, over, over summer break. I'm not going to reveal the names of if any people or, 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 or companies, but a, a friend of mine's father was a news director at a, at a large news outlet. And so uh, she pulled some strings and she knew I wanted to go into journalism. She's like, Hey, I talked to my dad and, and he will get you an internship this summer in the newsroom. I was like, no way I can learn the craft. Right. So I show up first day of the intern. And, and this isn't a place that typically has interns. You know, this was really pulling some strings. So the first day I go and my friend's dad like shows me the ropes and, you know, the whole day is kind of spent just kind of showing me around, showing me kind of the operation. I didn't get like a real sense of what my duties would be. The first day was just sort uh-huh. of, you know, learning the orientation. Literally second day, he gets laid off. OK, no, so, <laughs> I have no one to report to and no real task to do. So I'm just <laughs> kind of showing up. And again, mm-hmm. no, at this point, you know, the layoff was was unexpected and took a lot of people by surprise. And I he hadn't like introduced me to a lot of people there yet. And so <laughs> I was just showing up. I had no one to report to. And I was just showing up and, and I would just walk around and I would go to people's desk. And I'm like, hey, do you need any help with anything? Or uh, and they're like, who are you? Why are you here? And I'm like, oh, I got a bad. It's official. Like I, I'm an intern. They're like, well, who do who whose intern are you? I'm like, well, he's no longer here, but uh, I'm here to do whatever. So this worked for like a few weeks until like I just became more of a burden to people, and I would just awkwardly just stroll in. At whatever time, no one's expecting me. No one is like requesting me. And, and, and I, I literally have nothing to do other than just trying to find things to do. So I just stopped going. And I don't know if anyone ever knew. I don't know if anyone ever cared. <laughs> I never heard from them. No one ever contacted me, but it was a solid like two, three weeks that I was showing up every day and just uh-huh. asking people to help. But I felt, but I feel like, okay, maybe those types of situations you can ghost. The other situation when I was working at Kmart in high school, And, uh, I feel like my manager at Kmart just had the expectation that employees were going to ghost. Like, I feel like that was a common thing. And I think Mm -hmm. it it didn't hurt. It didn't help the situation that she had a couple other bad employees who happened to be named Jesse. I don't know what it is about that name, but it really lends (laughs) Uh itself to ghosting Uh, managers at Kmart. So she was very suspicious of me. I know this because she accused me of doing things and she was like, never mind. That was, that was one of the other Jesse's. (laughs) The other (laughs) Jesse's. But I, 
I, I told her, I told her I had, I had taken a, an opportunity at a, at a, in a, in a position that I really felt was going to advance my career in landscaping. And I would be leaving big K. <laughs> I would be leaving the garden department for gr- literally greener horizons. And that I, I would be leaving in two weeks. She didn't write it down, forgot. And so I just didn't, sh- I stopped showing up after two weeks. She left several angry messages on my home phone. That was when answering machines were a thing. And my parents could hear me oh, getting yeah. yelled at by a Kmart manager. And so, uh, you know, again, I can see how the ghosting happens. Why do you guys think it is that younger people would just ghost on a job? Just walk away without quitting? Well, it's hard to tell someone you want to quit. Like you feel like you're going to let them down yeah. and or they're going to be mad at you. I've never done this. I'm racking my brain. I'm not saying I wouldn't or I'm above it, but I don't think I've ever done this, but I think they would be just scared. Yeah. Yeah. And it is kind of so it's easy. A discomfort. It's the same reason you you would ghost in a relationship. Yeah. yeah like I don't want to deal with the, the process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. It, it, it really is. Like if you can, if you made like a cost benefit analysis of like, well, here's what quitting's going to do. It's going to create one of the most uncomfortable situations I've ever been in. I got to have all these right. thoughts or I just walk away and act like it never happened. I just vanish. And I probably, I, I'll probably still, this will ensure I get all my sick and vacation time. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I, I don't, Obviously, I think people should should quit, but I understand sometimes, like in my case, it's just a matter of confusion. I didn't know who to quit oh, no. to. I didn't even know who. Yeah, I, you're you're like I don't even know who I work for. Yeah. Let, let the let the employer let the employer know who's boss. That this is that this goes two ways. They're not the only ones who can pull the rug out from under you out of nowhere. Yeah. walk away and remind them that this is a this is a two way street here. I think it's one thing. Like you said, Kmart Jesse. I as as we've talked about on this podcast, I've worked. And a couple of uh, a re- mall retail jobs in high yeah. school. They didn't care. They didn't care if I lived or died. So uh, walking away from that didn't. That, that, who cared? It wasn't a big deal. They would just go find some other beautiful young teenager to fill to to, to walk in there would and like take to, over for me. I would like to hope that Kmart would care if I died, but. <laughs> I honestly don't know if they do. They had they have a lot of animosity towards people named Jesse. Like, uh, I think for this experience. job, like Jesse, if I God forbid, if I ever decided to leave Relevant, I, I would I would give somebody there a heads up. Yeah. I wouldn't just for stop all I know. In. That's what Chandler did to us this morning because I still haven't heard from him. <laughs> and that is true. For all I know, this this story is about Chandler. Just for okay, one more quick one, and then uh, yeah, okay. I I I love this <laughs> I love this story because it took an interesting twist. I love when you're reading a news story and it takes a hard turn halfway through the news story. You're like, oh, I was was not expecting it to go in this direction. Uh, So this story is about the Detroit Police Department's response to a Vice documentary that went viral this week. So in the documentary, it showed uh, illegal uh, like stunt driving clubs in the city of Detroit. So what's happening is okay. uh, in the in the in this kind of documentary, uh, people will drive their cars, block an intersection, and then sports cars will come through and do donuts and cool tricks like that, and then drive off and go to the next one. It's extremely dangerous. Numerous people have been hurt, and there's a reason why the Detroit Police Department wants to stop this. You know, this is happening on public roads. Uh, but one of the people uh, involved, uh, a garage owner, uh, he sees this as a positive thing for the community. And he's tried doing, he's tried going about things the right way and the city just isn't listening. Here's a, here's <laughs> one of the quotes. These cars, they bring everybody together, all races, all shapes, all sizes, all colors. When people come, it's all like one big happy family. I've seen Fast and Furious. He's got to be telling the truth. There's something about <laughs> reckless car driving that just inspires, you know, rag ragtag misfits to become a family. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Um, yeah. He also said that he is. <laughs> this is my favorite part. This is where it becomes. Hey, there's a there's a car club doing dangerous things on public roads. Police need to stop it because of a viral video. To wait, this guy is literally trying to make this like a sanctioned thing. He said, in fairness, he has met with city officials, and and this is from uh, uh, ClickOnDetroit.com, a local Detroit news site. He has met with city officials and people from the mayor's office three or four times to discuss having an area of the streets where drivers can continue what they are doing without stopping traffic or putting others in danger. He wants the city to fund places where we can go be ridiculous in our cars. That is a great idea. That is a fantastic idea. I I generally, you know, lean pretty Ron Swanson on municipal projects and just (laughs) have a more laissez-faire view of municipal law. But if there was just a giant parking lot where it's like those it's like those smash rooms where you can just go and like take a baseball bat and sledgehammer and break up old grandfather clocks and stuff you know <laughs> like it's like that or one of those axe throwing places but i can just go in a car and just floor it and just do donuts and then just leave <laughs> when my you know if i just need to blow off some steam i think what he stumbled on is a fantastic idea if there was a place like that where you could just take your car and go do you could rent you know give ten ten dollars for ten minutes would you guys do it? Because I totally would. This sounds oh. like a ginormous go-kart racing event. Yeah, You know? Yeah. With yeah. real cars. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like bumper cars. You bumper sign a cars at 60 well, miles an like hour. like Daytona 500 or something. <laughs> but, but this is, but that's a great, like when I watch Daytona 500 on TV, I'm like, man, those guys look like they're having fun. You know, I'll never, ever be able to do that. But if the city had like, hey, we got a whole parking lot here just to go do your worst. Dude, I would be there. I'll sign a waiver. You know, if you know, I know it's dangerous, but life is dangerous. Life you is dangerous. No, you know what else no. is dangerous? Stress. Stress kills people. <laughs> I can go relieve some by doing donuts. I think I, I, I love this person. He's like, in fairness, in <laughs> fairness, I tried to get the city on board with illegal stunt driving. <laughs> it's basically you're talking about a publicly accessible demolition derby. Mm hmm. With a very low clearance bar for it, which uh, did you guys grow up going to Demolition Derby? Was that part of your childhood? One. I went to no. one. That was a Nebraska thing. I'm surprised, though, in Texas, this is yeah, I would think it, I would te- think Texas would be all J- about J- the Demolition Derby. Jamie, you, you guys have so many open highways and you kind of had that. There's that outlaw spirit that permeates the state. <laughs> we can do whatever yeah. we want here. You don't need what Jesse's talking about here. You don't need the government to give you the I green light like, to do this. I, I feel like if there's if there's any state that would do this, Jamie, do you feel like it's Texas would sanction something like this? I don't know. This feels so reckless, though. Is that how we are here in Texas? It feels very reckless. That's my law spirit permeates. Don't state. mess with Texas. <laughs> I feel like actually this would translate to Texas. It'd be on someone's farm and be with like John Deere tractors or something like that's probably we're true. just going to go yeah. crazy on the tractors. Yeah. It would be awesome. Yeah. It's a fantastic like three idea. miles an hour. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, all right. So uh, this is a Barna, our friends over at Barna, uh, data nerds uh, who, who study uh, religion here in the States have put together this very big state of the church study that, that they're releasing in parts over the next few months. And the first part came out today and it's about, or excuse me, no, it came out last week. We're talking about it today. And it was about what pastors are actually thinking about. What are pastors in America? What are their actual biggest concerns? What are they worried about for the country and also for their own individual uh, local churches? what, What do they think? I was surprised because if you... To hear the chatter, to hear the headlines, 
my thought would be the biggest concern of Protestant pastors, and this is Protestant pastors, Protestant pastors would be religious liberty in America. That seems like the thing that everybody's always talking about is religious liberty is under the gun. Yeah. Uh, it's disappearing. We're, we're, we're losing more of our freedoms every single day. And that seems to be what determines how people preach, how they vote, what gets them out of the house in terms of what policies or politicians they support. So I was really surprised that religious liberty and freedom didn't even crack. It barely made the top 20. Did you either of you see this? Jesse, you saw this. I know I sent it over to you. Yeah, it seemed like what pastors are concerned about isn't what we're told like pastors are concerned about, you know, like it was much less political and more, they just seem genuinely concerned for their congregations than, you know, big social issues. Yeah. It it seemed very, uh, these were real. So they split them up over at Barna in terms of uh, biggest issues facing the Christian church in the U S and biggest uh, concerns facing their own church. When it comes to the more national perspective for the church in the U.S., the number one most cited concern was watered down gospel teachings. Mm. The idea that we're just not saying we're we're just not preaching the gospel with the same clarity that with the clarity that we need to. Number two, not too far behind that, is uh, the cultural shift to a secular age. Sort of uh, uh, the the decline of religion. Uh, I suppose the rise of the nuns would probably be included in that. And then uh, number three was poor discipleship models. Hmm. The idea that you people become Christians, but then there's not a real way to help grow them to more spiritual maturity, which I think those are all really valid concerns. I was just surprised to find them all listed as highly as they are. Were those the same concerns for their local church? No, what you just listed was the, you know, church in America, right? That's right. So there, so for their local church, uh, it was it was different, but but also interesting. I think number one is reaching a younger audience. Uh, a younger audience, a hard, yeah. Hmm. Obviously, having a hard time getting getting Gen Z in the door there, as yeah. as we've obviously talked it, about a surpri- lot. They they ghost a lot of churches. Those they Gen do. Z. <laughs> they start coming. They start coming, <laughs> and then they vanish. Um, uh, number two, declining or inconsistent outreach and evangelism. The decline of evangelism, something else that we've seen a lot of studies on, is just people aren't going out there and, and talking about their faith very much. And number three, declining or inconsistent volunteering. So personnel issue. Yeah. People in the door. That those are the biggest concerns. Which uh, and those are those things far outpace more practical concerns like uh, finances within the church or yeah. dealing with their building, real estate issues, uh, multi-campus type stuff. Those things were barely charted. So I thought that was, I don't know. I, I think that's encouraging in some ways because those things seem like there's obviously a lot of divisive issues within the church, but I think everybody would agree that those issues are, are as far as the spiritual health of the country goes, those things are real and, and pertinent to that conversation. J- Jamie, on the Happy Hour, your, your podcast, you talk to a lot of people who, not not exclusively in church leadership, but a lot of people who are in positions of influence in the Christian community. Like I said, not exclusively, but that's kind right. of a common mm-hmm. thread with a lot of the guests. Do you kind of see, you know, and and not to paint with too broad of a brush, but this is these are common concerns of a lot of the people that you talk to that are in some degree of church Christian leadership of like, you know, their concerns are, are, are enough young people really connecting with the gospel and is the message really being preserved the heart? Do you see that as consistent from a lot of the conversations you have? 
I think I do. And I'm even thinking about myself personally. And that would be something that I would think about as well as if I'm going out teaching, like, you know, what are some current concerns that we might have within our local churches that those would be ones for me as well. The discipleship one, I think I talked to a lot of women who really believe in discipleship. And so discipling, you know, a generation behind us and discipling our peers. And so I think it is something that are, that's on our brains and on our hearts. And I'm actually super encouraged as well, because I think what you said, um, Tyler, that those are things that, that really, not that what you said that you thought it was going to be, which was, um, you know, freedom. Is that what you said? That you thought? Yeah, yeah. I, I could, I thought that would be possible. Yeah. And that's a good thing as well. But I think these other things are like where we fo- see our focus a lot in churches, you know, like discipling people and yeah. sharing their faith and getting people in. And I think those are good concerns. And so that doesn't surprise me about the local church, what you said for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think it's positive too, because you see some of these I think some of some issues have been co-opted by political parties or or political interests to be like yeah. Christians are up in arms about not being able to say prayer at the school luncheon or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? When it's like, are they? Does anyone? Yeah. He, or like we're actually <laughs> up in arms because we just want to disciple more people. You yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, I, you know, I'm not overly concerned about whether the coach is allowed to say a prayer before the football game in the locker room. How about are those kids in that locker room actually, you know, you have access to a ministry that is impactful to their Teaching lives. The gospel. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really, and I'm looking forward to this whole study. This is called the state of the church that Barna has put out. They'll be releasing it in sections over the next few months. And uh, we've, we put a link to that full story at relevantmagazine.com. I'd recommend you check it out. All right. That'll do it for slices. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Amber and Guy Leah will join us. Listening to At the Door. That's the new one from The Strokes. The strokes are back. Love the Strokes. Love. Them. Oh yeah, I've loved the Strokes for most of my life. It's good to good to have them back out here. Old again. rock and roll. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So this uh, this is go- this this uh, episode is brought to you by Bombas. Now working out is hard. It's always been hard, even when it's easy. It's still pretty hard. Bombas. Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Oh really? For not, it's not hard for everybody. It's not but, okay. <laughs> but I agree. For some people, it's hard. But I, this is a product that makes working out easier because you're like, oh, I get to slide in some new comfy fitness bombas. It helps me. Yeah, bomba socks don't. I don't think they make it necessarily easier, but. Being more comfortable while you're working out is important. So if your resolution is to get fit in the new year, and it's a good resolution, start by getting socks that can keep up every step of the way. I think this is a, this is a hot take. This is a real take. This is not, okay. this is not part of my, this is, this is not in the, in the copy we sent over. This because is a real we thing. We were talking about Bombas offline earlier. We were talking about Bombas offline earlier. I am a huge, I think that, I think that good socks do make a difference working out. And I think that Bombas are the best ones in the business. That's a, that's a real take. That, that, that's, that's an honest, that's an honest, 
pre-ad opinion. It, it really was. We were a little behind the scenes, you know, uh, Tyler and I talked through the show before we record and we came upon uh, the sponsor today. Tyler was literally raving about mm-hmm. the, not just wearing Bombas, but the excitement of getting new Bombas. And Tyler, yeah, they're cool. now they have Bombas that are designed from everything uh, to running, hiking, cycling, yep. like the endurance stuff. But they also have yep. stuff for uh, for any kind of sports, you know, performance sports, you know, special styles made for whether, you know, play tennis, running, golf, or you're like me and you go dominate uh, on the on the on the basketball court at the neighborhood rec center a couple times a month. So uh, there's Bombas for all. If those you've activities. never gotten like really good socks like Bombas before, it's worth trying just to know what you've been missing out on. These uh, particular these socks, Bombas, are made with this lightweight poly cotton blend. Uh, so really, no matter how hard you're working, your feet do stay cool, dry, comfortable. They don't get sweaty and they give you extra support in ways you didn't even know you really didn't have with other socks like in your arches. They're all built with this special arch support system that's supportive. It's not too tight. Uh, it's like a little, like a little hug on your foot, a little foot hug that you're a getting. Little foot hug. Why, and, and what do you need in the gym every now? And, we all need a little hug because when we're, when yeah, we're, whatever we're lifting, whether it's heavy weights or even just our own emotions, sometimes uh, that little extra hug can be what gets you over the, to your next gains. Well, and Tyler, I, I have gone through periods where I've really enjoyed running, but you know what's very annoying when you run is when your socks get uh, uh, twisted and bunched up. Yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. It's literally like the worst when you're on a run. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's like, I got to take my shoe off and get this fixed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose time. I might get a cramp here. Well, Bombas are designed with a left-right contouring and a Y-stitch heel, so they stay perfectly in place. Uh, you, you, hey, have you ever noticed that annoying toe seam? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's a very, a very odd you know, design feature. That little ridge on the top. Well, Bombas got rid of it. It is gone. So it's smooth sailing all the way across the top of your foot. It surprised me that it's taken that long uh, for someone to do that. But Bombas has. Finally, did you know what the number one most requested item in homeless shelters are, Tyler? Uh, tell me. It sucks. And for, mm. for, for good reason, you know, yeah. uh, Bomba socks were created to change that for every pair that you buy. Bomba will donate a pair to someone in need. So it's an awesome company. It is truly mm-hmm. a great product. We are both uh, legit Bombas wearer. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a real fan. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to be talking about them because I do I do like promoting not just the cool product they make, but the fact that they do a lot of good out there in the world. And that's uh, that's really important to us at Relevant. I'm sure it's important to you as well. You can go to bombas.com slash relevant today and get 20% off your purchase. Bombas is B-O-M bas.com slash relevant. You get 20% off uh, on your first purchase. So bombas.com slash relevant. I uh, can't recommend them highly enough. I think you'll be glad you did it if you're if you're on the market for socks and on the market to do a little extra good for some of the folks out there who could use some extra ones. Yeah. So in their latest book, Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses, authors Amber Leah and Guy Leah Examine some of the behaviors and responses that lead to problems in relationships, even good ones, and how to avoid them. So, Jesse, you recently got to talk to Amber and Guy about marriage triggers here. That's right. Uh, for tell, tell me a little bit what this conversation is about. I'm intrigued by. I haven't heard you haven't told me anything about this yet, so I'm curious yeah. to hear about how this all went. 
Well, I was excited because, you know, we're, we try to plan the shows that make sense, you know, for the time of year. And this is this is the one coming out right before Valentine's Day. And I figured this would be a great time to kind of introduce people sure. yeah. to this idea, because even if you're not married, even if you're just in a relationship or, you know, or maybe you're not in a relationship, but this can help in future relationships. This idea of, you know, actions and behaviors that can trigger different emotions mm-hmm. in your partner or your spouse and maybe trigger a reaction that isn't what you've uh, intended and a lot of times you know it's not just like the result of the argument that's the problem or at least the way to solve a problem isn't just addressing the source of the argument it's addressing what triggered the argument in the first place Mm so i wanted to ask them uh, initially like why they wanted to take the approach of looking at these quote-unquote triggers in marriages and relationships really we felt like that's the essence of this message is that we all feel triggered by various and different things in our relationships with our spouses. But the answer to all of those things is really not doing the same old thing and allowing ourselves to continue down a broken path, but instead to exchange those angry reactions that we keep getting caught in this cycle of anger and yelling and instead replacing them and exchanging them with more gentle biblical responses. This is really the day in and day out, living out our faith in very practical, real life moments of our everyday living in our relationships with our spouses. So that's sort of where that came from. And, and we kind of, you know, if you think about it, the the, the idea of an exchange is, is an active thing that you purposefully do. And so the, the biggest point really behind this book and communication is the fact that you're making an exchange, you're making a very purposeful move towards communicating and finding a new way to deal with this rather than just allowing your feelings to overcome you and just reacting rather than making this an, an organic thing that you have to work on. So Tyler, is, th- is this kind of an idea and a message you can relate to that sometimes there are certain topics or certain things that are way that they're addressed that, you know, like maybe this, maybe I need to be extra careful kind of broaching this topic in, in a relationship. Oh yeah, I, I think that uh, me and Liz, like uh, like a lot of couples, just have certain things that sometimes it's almost easier just to not address it at all because you're like, I don't know if I have the energy for that conversation, right? You know what I mean? So he, so yeah. you either tiptoe around it like you're in a minefield, yeah, or totally. you're just like, eh, I'm just not going to work, and then just build the pressure builds and builds over time and ends up being a much more difficult conversation than it had to be in the first place. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, I, that was the other thing I wanted to ask him about is like, well, how do we know what those triggers are? Maybe it's some Sometimes for some people, it's like, you know, situations with finances or their in-laws or, or, or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Oh, yeah. You know, how do we identify them so that we can know the appropriate way to respond and hopefully have like healthy relationships that, you know, aren't, you know, always argumentative? Like, you know, that subtitle, I feel like is such a good elevator pitch for this book, uh, exchanging spouses, angry reactions for gentle biblical responses. I feel like anyone who's ever been in an argument in their relationship sounds like I really need that. I would love a gentle <laughs> biblical response where I want to give a gentle biblical response. So part of that is identifying what those triggers are. And here's what Amber and Guy had to say in terms of uh, how, do, how do you know what they are? I think we can identify our triggers when there's an issue that just keeps recurring over and over and over again. You know, if every single time you guys are fighting over your calendar and your schedules and it's just breaking down, then obviously maybe you're a little bit too busy or there's communication that's broken down. Maybe it's that you're always having your, most of your arguments center around your kids. 
So you're not on the same page in your parenting and that's your big trigger. So it is helpful, don't you think, Guy, to just sort of step away and, and think for a minute, what are my biggest issues as a couple? What are, where are we having our most frequent arguments or frustrations? And then taking those kind of one at a time. Yeah, and, and the book is, is even split up into two sections, basically, where there's external triggers. So triggers that are caused by people outside of ourselves versus internal triggers, which are things that we bring with us into the marriage, such as past relationships or maybe broken relationships with our in-laws or our parents or things that are affecting us internally that we then kind of pass on to our, to our spouse. And so, you know, there, there are two different areas that we have to look at where you can find these triggers that are really important to, you know, yeah, survey. the external things, you know, clashing over finances and when the house is a mess, you know, and all these things externally that press on us, it's sometimes helpful to categorize, okay, this is an external trigger. This is an internal trigger. Our personalities just clash all the time or we're just, you know, weary and exhausted. You know, there's these internal things that we can, that can also be helpful for us to identify our triggers based on those categories. Yeah. So, so some really great thoughts yeah. there. And I wanted the, the other thing I, that it was really interesting that they talked about, and they talk about this more in the book is one of the number one areas that kind of uh, is at the core of a lot of this. And it really comes down to communication and the right way to communicate, not just, not just saying the right words, but saying the right words, the right way um, that once you can kind of identify different people's preferred methods of communication and broaching different topics, it really can head off conflicts in relationships before they get started. Here's what Amber and Guy had to say about, uh, you know, just the importance of healthy communication and gentle responses. I think one of the other number one triggers that that people respond to is communication, um, broken communication. And I think as a premise, one of the things that Guy and I talk about in the book is to really um, give each other permission (laughs) to even say to each other when you see that you're triggered and that your body is tensing and that you're beginning to get angry or frustrated with each other, you know, even if someone is starting to actually yell at you, one of the things that Guy and I have given each other permission to say is we have to come together and say our communication style is not working. When we start to get upset and angry, we need to put the brakes on this somehow because it's not good for us. It's not for our, good for our kids to witness. So we'll just say to each other, we've given each other permission to say, Hey, can we lighten up this conversation for a minute? (laughs) And you know, that that's just like a, a a check for both of us to say, all right, you know what, let's just take a a moment. I like to call it a holy pause where we, you know, take a, a minute and a half or so to just breathe and pause the conversation so that we don't say things we regret, excuse me. And we can say to each other, let's lighten this up for a little bit. And then we can, come back together and talk about it when we've had a chance to simmer down a little bit. Um, We also think it's really important when people have broken communication to really consider um, believing the best about one another. A lot of communication problems break down because we read each other wrong or we mistake each other's tone of voice or body language and we start to assume the best or we become easily offended. And, you know, the Bible talks a lot about um, the words that we say and, and how we communicate with each other. One of our favorite verses in the book is a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's Proverbs 15, one. And, you know, Guy and I early on, we just said, we started praying Lord, we need to start having more soft answers instead of harsh words with each other, because it's just stirring up more anger. 
So Tyler, the book is called Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses, Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. It is out now. What a great book to read here, Valentine's oh, Day week. Yeah, going into Valentine's Day. Thanks a lot for having that conversation, Jesse. And thanks also to Amber and Guy for being willing to talk about uh, these responses and also about their own marriage. That's a vulnerable thing. It's not easy to do. Thanks for, for sharing about, about that. You can pick up that book, Marriage Triggers. It is available now. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for feedback. But I just want to watch you. I think I want to dance. Do you want to? Hope you want to dance. And then I think about you and your friends. And do they want to dance? I bet they want to. Bet they want to dance. And so I You're listening to Do You Want to? porches. Okay, so uh, time for feedback. Last week, we asked, we were talking about time capsules. Jesse, we were talking about what what, what you would put in a time capsule that would encapsulate the the 2020 era for future generations. And we didn't mean like the... We we didn't mean that. Like there's the obvious stuff. The iPhone, you know, the... I don't know what else would be. I don't know what... There's not a whole lot of really obvious stuff. Maybe one of those Facebooks the kids are always talking about. But drop that in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do like Ryan's suggestion though that that, that what would encapsulate 2020 uh, it would perfectly illustrate the moment in evangelical culture. It really does. I, I feel like it, it perfectly encapsulates a lot of weird tensions in evangelical culture right now. One is like kind of the preachers and sneakers moment. You know, like uh-huh. the the mm-hmm. new. Uh, conflation of influence and uh, you know spiritual authority, which I feel like is sort of like a, a, a potentially problematic area. You know, sure. the the pop culture where where things are, and just like celebrity culture, he suggested putting Jesus is King in the 2020 capsule, just because I mean, it really is sort of the culmination of this moment. Yeah. Do you uh-huh. guys feel like it kind of nails where we at are on a lot I of levels? I think that's really good. It's a Venn yeah. diagram of so many circles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, that does it all comes together right there in the center because even you talk about preachers and sneakers that's that's the Kanye influence baby yeah yeah that's yeah. the whole reason that thing started is because Kanye's here to give these guys his shoes <laughs> J- J- Jamie if you had to put something in a time capsule that they, that people could look back and be like this is the 2020 mo-, and even if it's just from your perspective you, it doesn't have to carry the weight of like being all encompassing but you feel like is pretty representative of of your kind of life and sphere. What 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 do you think that item would be? Oh my gosh, this is a so preloaded, hard. a preloaded iPod Touch with just every episode of the Happy Hour. <laughs> That's right, just every episode of the Happy Hour, just my show. Um, I don't know. I mean, someone the other day asked me if I was on TikTok, and I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so apparently, that's really That's big great. right now. Yeah, uh, That's you know, great. I love I'm, it. I'm TikTok kidding. I do know what it is, but. I don't know what I would put to represent. I was thinking of the um, Apple TV remote, but that's way old. And apparently I found out we have the oldest one ever made. So that doesn't work either. Uh, I don't it's know what like I would do. It's got a click wheel on it. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, my kids are, you know, well, my kids don't have TikTok, but they like to talk about it. So. 
I you know, know you know what I would do? I would do something to throw off people in the future to be like, well, uh, my history books aren't saying this. I it would be hoverboards. Like the little <laughs> hoverboards that were big <laughs> for idea. like one Christmas and they were like on Instagram a lot and then they started catching on fire and people got hurt and the batteries didn't work and they're very, very dangerous and not that efficient. I would I would put these on and I would leave a note with him and I said in the year twenty twenty, this is the only way people traveled. And, it, and people would look back and be like, Man, twenty twenty was awesome. That must have been this, <laughs> like, this it's true. Hoverboard. The history books do lie. This hoverboard has Bluetooth speakers and blinking lights <laughs> that, that go along with whatever song is playing. This is it was peak humanity. That's what I would put in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, um, we also we also yeah, asked, we asked two questions. Yeah, we asked uh, about about Lent. Lent's coming up. We asked what uh, what if anything listeners are giving up for Lent. Uh, we had a few people come through with what they're doing for this. This one, I don't know, man. Andrew says he has given up podcast. This, feel, this for feels Lent. like a jab. This feels yeah. like a jab. You've given a podcast for Lent for the last couple of years to quiet my life and mind and allow more time for reflection and listening. I don't know, man. He must listen to a lot of shows. I mean, yeah. here's where I can see Andrew because I listen to podcasts a lot when I'm mm-hmm. in my car and listen to a podcast mm-hmm. when I'm shopping at the grocery yeah. store and listen to podcasts. And so I can see how you'd be like, you know what? I'm going to drive in silence from now on or I'm going to yeah. go on a walk. I'm not going to have anything in my ears. But do you really tell your number one podcast about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, get, I'm just like a slap in the face. I'm giving up Andrew for Lent. That's interesting. <laughs> no, Andrew, I, how about podcast, you give up social media listen, for Lent? Podcasts occupy a perfectly healthy place in my life. I I only listen to them when I drive, when I run errands, when I have any <laughs> moment of silence, when I try to fall asleep at night, and when my hidden when AirPods in are in, and I'm <laughs> pretending to talk to a neighbor or friend about something meaningful, and I'm actually catching up on This American Life. That's, That's the exactly only time right. I use them, and sometimes in church. What's the big deal, Andrew? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Sarah said, a friend recently shared on Facebook what makes up laundry lent. And I was intrigued by the idea of giving up doing laundry until Easter. I could really get behind that, but it might force me to unintentional hermitude, but that could be nice too. I never, I, this is new to me. Is that a joke? I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I I don't know. I I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I'm not going to tell anyone if they feel like it's their conviction. I think I feel like it's a joke. I feel like it's got to be. I feel like it's a joke. But but if someone is actually convicted that they need to give up doing laundry for the period of Lent, then I'm not going to tell them not to. That feels weird because Lent, like you give up something so that you can gain like more time with the Lord and sacrifice. (laughs) Right? Am am I here? Like it just feels like I'm going to tell my kids I'm giving up dishes, cooking, and laundry, guys. I'm out. See, I I love that Sarah picked a chore to give up. Like not (laughs) something. You know, yeah. Andrew at least has given up the thing he's doing during the chores. You know, <laughs> like Sarah's just like, nah, just not doing that anymore. Like not doing anything. Hey, you know, what I'm giving up for Lent, paying bills. Just not <laughs> just see what happens. Let the Lord. Maybe yeah. there's yeah. something spiritual to it where it's like you have to just like wear the same clothes so you don't feel consumed oh, by what you look. Sure. I mean, I don't know. There might be something there. I don't want to make that's fun of you, Sarah. Idea. But. I've never heard of this before. We might need Sarah to to give us a little more, a little more, a few yeah. more details here because obviously yeah. we're a little bit confused. Like, when, my, when my neighbors come over and they're like, "Your yard's looking terrible, dude. Can you at least run the mower? Just get a service, Lent. something." Hey, man, oh. I'm sorry. I got to be faithful to my oh. commitment here. You're oh. going to need to wait. Could I just give up my religious yeah. practice? Yeah. Is yeah. that what you're asking I, me yeah. to do? 
Because my pastor is very concerned about religious freedom, from my understanding. <laughs> everyone is it's what everyone's talking about. Yeah. T- tonight on Fox, one man's religion versus one man's neighborhood association. They're like, we just want him to cut the grass, and he's like, you know, they're coming after, they're coming after my, <laughs> faith. my freedoms. Listen, if you got a problem with it, you can take it out with me in thirty-eight days, pal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right well that'll do it for and sarah please if you uh we would love to know a little bit more about laundry let so so hit us up or or, then we will will, we want to clear the air uh now it's time for this week's editorial question of the week all right i had an idea uh i want to hear because valentine's day as you guys know is this week and uh people are going to be thinking about love and dating and we had we had some great relationship advice on uh but keeping in the valentine's day spirit i want to hear and i know we've asked variations of this in the past but they listeners never let us down i want to hear people's worst slash most embarrassing date stories that's what i want to hear i've heard we've heard some good ones in the past Uh Uh and and i'm very eager to see what listeners uh right. come up with so, so worst most embarrassing date story do either of you guys have a worst or embarrassing date story I feel like women's are always better. Women's are. I feel like I don't like I've been married for 19 years. Yeah, yeah that's uh, a, sure. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember, but I do know people who have. And I and I feel like this is an opportunity for people to get it off their chest. So tweet us at relevant podcast if you want us to, to read yours uh, and the world to hear. Finally, get this off your chest, people. Your worst, most embarrassing date stories. We yeah, might read yeah, it. Yeah. On you, know, you don't have to. You, you can use fake names or you can use real or, names. Or, do we don't we care. Are, we these really are going to be the best, care. though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody if somebody has any bad date stories about Andrew, he won't be listening to the podcast. So you can go ahead and <laughs> let it all out. <laughs> let it all out. He'll, he'll be so far behind on his podcast by then. He'll never hear this. He'll, he'll never, never yeah, hear he'll, it. He'll be fine. Especially uh, if you're Andrew's girlfriend. Let's bring that up too. That's what yeah. we want to hear from. Girlfriend, <laughs> this wife. is your hall pass to, to really yes. air it out. Former, former girlfriend, maybe, maybe. We'd love to hear it. Uh, all right. Hey, many thanks to uh, to Amber and Guy Leah. Their book, Marriage Triggers, is out now. You can go pick it up. Many thanks to Jamie Ivy. Jamie. Uh. Thanks for coming. Always Thanks for enjoying this work. I know it's I know it's not it's not easy to spend a little bit of time with us, but we always appreciate it. Thanks a always lot. Always happy to be here. You can follow if you want to follow Jamie, and you should. She's on Come Instagram on. at Jamie Ivy. It's J-A-M-I-E, and Ivy is I-V-E-Y. Jamie Ivy. And you can also listen to her. If you liked her on this, you're gonna love her on the happy hour, her actual podcast, her professional podcast, where uh, she actually gets to to real issues of substance, unlike this one. Mm, uh mm. the happy also, hour. Have I, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Tyler. Have I told you guys my Twitter that's not really me? No, you're burning. Oh, I don't think so. No, it's yeah. not a burner. It's just if you find me on Twitter, which I don't hang out there much, if you don't put the underscore, you find a woman who her caption says Jamie Ivy Trump supporter. And just so you know, oh, it's not me. That's not, that's not you. <laughs> well, okay. yeah, you there's like MAGA stuff all over it. It's <laughs> well, not me, you guys. Okay. Well, right, this so is going to be awkward so because Jamie I booked Ivy. her for next week's podcast, the- Jamie. I, I, I thought it was you. <laughs> and now, but I'm a man of my word. So at Jamie Ivy is going to be on and she's got some oh, radical oh, awesome. ideas. She's awesome. I hear she's great. Yeah. So I hear she, she, had great. Some thoughts. she had some thoughts about the Joaquin Phoenix speech and uh, <laughs> I'm just going to hand the mic over. Just, you know, she 
you want to talk about religious liberties, she's she's, uh, she's, she's, she does. she's very passionate, <laughs> very concerned, very passionate, very tonight yes. on Fox. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're Jamie underscore the death Ivy of a Christian nation. Yeah, don't yeah. forget the underscore, you guys. Uh, Jamie, <laughs> or follow or follow them both. You know, add a little diversity yeah, there you go. to your there feed. You go. Uh, get, get, uh, from both sides of the aisle. Tonight uh, on our series, <laughs> our ongoing series, Death of a Christian Nation. Why this public school thought it was okay to put Harry Potter books in the curriculum <laughs> and no Bible. Uh, also, hey, thanks to Bombas for supporting us. Go to bombas.com slash relevant today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant for 20% off bombas.com slash relevant. And uh, I think that'll do it for us. Thanks everybody. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Clark Flippo. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivy. Have a great week. We'll see you on Friday. listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Tonight on Fox, one man's religion versus one man's neighborhood association. They're like, we just want him to cut the grass. Relevant Podcast Network.